Thanks. Thank you, sir. Well, good morning. Yeah, I am, uh, gosh, I, I hope this content has been practical for you guys, been useful. Like JR said, we, we've been doing this for four weeks now, and we've been talking really practically uh, about marriage, relationships, and so hopefully, um, hopefully it's been, like I say, practical for you. I do want to tell you, um, there is a, there's a website out there. It's our website, mounthelena.org slash save the date. You guys, there's a ton of resources out there. Our marriage team has done a great job. They've got books out there, podcasts, articles. I mean, you name it, there's a ton of good resources. So if you want some further reading and podcasts after the series, check that out. Um, also, if you've been on that site, we have our, our list of messages that we've got planned for this series. I'm going to call a little bit of an audible um, this morning because I, I spoke two weeks ago and, and the content was... Um, you know, four signs that you might be dating the wrong person. And one of those signs, I mean, of course, you have them all memorized, right? Of course. I mean, that goes without saying. One of those uh, was that you don't experience healthy conflict. And I, I actually heard from uh, a number of you that just had questions about that. You were curious about some practicality and just digging deeper. So we're actually going to scrap what we were going to talk about today and we're going to actually, I'm going to have a message this morning called, How to Fight Fair. So who's ready to fight? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, didn't, didn't expect that. Um, yeah, I, I, I mentioned this in week two, but I, I think it's so important because I think so often we, we get into dating, we get into our relationships, and like our goal, at least my goal when I got married, was not to have conflict. That was the goal. And thereby, if we didn't have conflict... I was being a good husband. That was my goal, and I quickly figured out that that was wrong. So let me just ask you this. How many of you guys know that not all fights are created equal? Now, are you feeling brave this morning? <laughs> Somebody said no. <laughs> Either that or that was my interior monologue. Um, how many of you, and you can raise your hand, just don't look sideways, but how many of you have ever fought about something really stupid? Yeah, okay, we're honest this morning. Great. That's awesome. Leslie, uh, Leslie's my wife. Been married uh, 21 years, coming in a couple weeks. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited. And we were actually talking about our very first fight. So we actually weren't married. We were, we were dating, and it was so dumb. It was so dumb. We were, um, well, let, let me just tell you this. It, it was the classic battle between good and evil light and darkness, right and wrong. We fought over this. We fought over an ice cream Snickers bar and a fruit popsicle. So like I say, we were newly dating. We didn't have any money between us, and we were hungry in county market. So you don't know each other, you don't have any money, and you're hungry. Danger, danger, danger. And on, honestly, I didn't even think this was going to be a big deal because I wanted the ice cream Snickers bar. I remember thinking it wasn't even a thought that she would want something else. So we were in County Market, and we had our first fight. Aww. Can anybody guess how that fight ended? How many people think Snickers bar? I see that hand. I, appreciate, I, I see those two hands. How many people think fruit popsicle? 
I think it was the first time in my life I've ever had a fruit popsicle. <laughs> so, <sighs> the reality is, I, I mentioned this in week two, but all couples will fight. Um, and if you, if you ask why, it's because we're imperfect, right? We are sinful creatures. And I'll, I'll burst your bubble if you don't know this. You're going to say and do things that you probably shouldn't say and you probably shouldn't do. So um, this is going to be a review for some of you, but I mentioned in week two that we know this. We know healthy couples fight fair and unhe- unhealthy couples fight dirty. So what that means is healthy couples fight for resolution and unhealthy couples fight for victory, meaning they want to be right. So um, there's this fascinating study out there. There's this guy named uh, Dr. John Gottman, G-O-T-T-M-A-N. And what he is, is he's a, he's a marriage specialist. He's a social scientist. And part of his research, he studied the same couples for 16 years. And he got all this research together. And now today, he, can, he says he can predict with a 90% accuracy whether the couple will stay married or get divorced based on, listen to this, how they fight. So it's not if you fight, it's how. So today that's, that's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to learn how to fight fair. And, and this, is, this is how I structured this. We're going we're gonna to have a foundation of biblical principles, but then I'm going to add on to that some modern science. And then I'm also going to add in some, some uh, wisdom from our marriage ministry because they're really good at what they do. Uh, so, again, again, I mentioned in week two, this is the New Testament. This was our foundation two weeks ago. I gave you part of the verse two weeks ago, but today you get the whole thing. Yes. It's James 1, 19 and 20, and it says this. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Here's the new part. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So, review. Everybody should be quick to... Listen. Everybody should be slow to speak. It's like the expression goes, you have two ears, one mouth, use them accordingly, that whole thing. Um, It also says you should be slow to get angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So um, that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to go into that verse, we're going to break it down, and we're really going to look at it because I believe within this verse, this is our roadmap. If you want to know how to fight fair, how to love your spouse well through the fight, which is always the goal, this is how you do it. So number one, we're gonna have, I'm going to give you three rules this morning on how to fight fair. Number one, stop and listen. Number one is stop to listen. If, if you find yourself in a fight, and judging by all the hands raised earlier, everybody knows what I'm talking about. If you find yourself in a fight and things are escalating, the first thing you need to do is just stop and like my dad used to say, turn your ears on. Stop to listen. Um, there's a great book out there. It's called Crucial Conversations, Tools for Talking When the Stakes Are High. And this guy, he's, a, he's a, another social scientist, Dr. Joseph Grenny. He, he explains that what happens to our brain from a physiological standpoint is our brain gets emotionally hijacked when in, we're in an argument. And he says this. He says, Uh, When we feel threatened or under stress, the amygdala, the part of our brain responsible for processing emotions, can send a signal to the hypothalamus to activate the sympathetic nervous system, which triggers the fight or flight response. This response floods the body with stress hormones like adrenaline and cortisol, which impair cognitive functioning and make it difficult to think clearly. 
he goes on in that chapter to say, when you're in a fight, especially with somebody that you care about, when you're in a fight, what happens to your brain physiologically is the exact same thing that happens if you try to drive under the influence. You have this task that you're, willing to, that you're trying to do, but you have all these chemicals in your brain that is making it difficult to do that. So from a physiological standpoint, you are not equipped when, you're, when things are escalating, you know what I'm talking about, when things are escalating, you're not equipped in that moment to have a rational conversation based on the science. And so our first, our first goal, our first rule is to stop and listen. But you guys, this is so hard. <laughs> if we can just get really real for a second, this is so hard because practically speaking, what actually happens when you get in a fight? You know, James says everybody should be quick to listen, but when you're in a fight, you're quick to talk, aren't you? I mean, we're quick to speak, we're quick to, you know, throw in our opinion, we're quick to, quick to get a low blow in there, we're quick to make a point because we want to be quick to speak. And instead, what I'm saying this morning is you need to be quick to stop and listen. Now, I'm just going to be honest. I don't know about you, but this is really hard for me because my brain, like I'm assuming yours does, my brain fires pretty fast. And so, when I'm in an argument and somebody is giving me the business, what my brain is doing is I'm thinking about the next thing I want to say. And so, if I know the next thing that this person, if I know what they're saying and if I know what I'm going to say, I don't need to listen to them, right? Because I already know what they're going to say, so I'm just waiting for them to stop talking. And sometimes I don't wait for them to stop talking. I just say it. And <laughs> maybe this has happened to you. When you're in this argument and this person's just talking, you're giving you the business, have you ever done this? Have you just pulled your phone out, started scrolling? Good. I'm glad you haven't done that. <laughs> or maybe when they're talking to you, you just, you know, start doing this. You start looking away. That's a, that's a body language saying, I don't want to be here. Or maybe you get your laptop out and you start typing. Or maybe you just walk away. That's all fine. That's all well and good until the person says, these magic words, they say, are you listening? And of course, because you're smart, you say, of course I was listening. Of course. You put your phone away. Of course I was listening. And I see that's all well and good until the person says something and you ask them about the argument and she just said that. And you just prove you weren't listening. Anybody ever been there? I think I'm the only one. I told you in week two this, that story about this person that I know that just has this way of communicating with me that I, I don't see him very much often anymore, but he just has this way of communicating that just, it just riles me up. And I learned that what I had to do is I had to stop to listen. And what that looks like for me is this. I just, and now I know that. And so it's just a quick reset. And what my brain is doing is I'm saying, okay, I'm going to stop, and now I'm listening to you. Whether or not I want to, I'm listening to you. James 1.19, everybody should be quick to listen. Okay, so um, there is a danger here because if we don't, if we don't stop and listen, I want to show you this verse out of Proverbs that says what happens if you don't stop and listen. Proverbs 18.2, fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. Anybody ever talk to somebody like that? Yeah. We become fools in that moment. If you're not willing to stop and listen, because a fool will say, you know what? I don't really care what you're saying. I just want to be heard. 
the Bible says, in that situation, you are being foolish and you are being a fool. So we're, when we get in a fight, we're, we're not trying to understand the person. We're just trying to be heard. And that's what the Bible calls foolish. So in the interest of practicality, because we want to get really practical, I'm going to give you some pro tips. Number one, when you stop to listen, here's your pro tip. Practice active listening. How many people have ever heard of active listening? Okay, great. If you've, not, if you've never done this before, it does feel a little weird when you do it the first couple times, but you'll get used to it, and it's a really powerful tool. Um, what active listening is, if you're in an argument, discussion, whatever, it's you repeating back what you just heard the person say. And what that forces you to do is that forces you to put your phone away and it forces you to listen. And more than that, it validates what the other person is saying. So an example might hypothetically be, so what I hear you saying is you don't agree with my choice for a Snickers bar and you think that a fruit popsicle is the wise choice. That might be something you would say. This is so huge, you guys. This is so huge because it, it, it puts you all in in the discussion right then. Because let me tell you a little, this isn't up on my notes. Here's another pro tip. You can't scroll your phone and practice active listening at the same time. You can't do it. Active listening is eye contact. Active listening is saying, okay, I'm going to repeat back what I heard you just say. And when you, when you both are doing that, it creates this open dialogue. And more than that, you guys you focus on your communication in that point rather than the issue. And then you're not being difficult, creating more issues. Active listening is a really great tool. And let me tell you one more thing about active listening. You might say, okay, well, if I practice active listening, this is just me conceding the issue. It isn't. You're not, active listening has nothing to do if you agree with the person, if you agree with the issue at all, it has nothing to do with that. It's validating the other person. It's validating what the other person is saying, but you are not agreeing at all. I did not agree in that moment that fruit popsicles was the way to go. That came later because I wanted to keep my marriage. Number one, stop to listen, okay? Number two, guard your words. Guard your words. I love this translation of Proverbs 21, 23. It's a new living translation. You're going to love it. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut, and you will stay out of trouble. <laughs> you guys, this is a great verse, but let me give you a tip. Do not quote this verse to your spouse when you're in a fight. <laughs> not a good idea at that point. <laughs> um, when you're in a fight, and you've, you've stopped, and you're, you're focused, you're listening, and now you're wondering if you should say the thing that you're about to say, here's another pro tip. Here's two questions that you can ask yourself in that moment. Number one, should it be said? And number two, should it be said right now? Has anybody ever had the experience where maybe you were asked to give a toast or you were asked to do some sort of public speaking and you might have said, man, I, I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm not good with words. Has anybody ever been in that spot? Let me tell you this. When you get in a fight in an argument, you are going to become really good with words. You are going to have a flood of words come into your brain. I guarantee it. And the question you need to ask yourself is, should this be said? Because here's the truth. The more you get to know somebody, the more you're going to get to know somebody. Yeah, tweet that. It's fine. <laughs> you are going to have the ability to hurt 
them like nobody else on the planet can. And I, I think sometimes our harshest words are saved for our closest relationships. Should it be said is the first question. The next question you need to ask yourself is, should this be said right now? Because honestly, yes, there are some things that need to be said, but not in the middle of a fight and not in the middle of this fight. Because when you're in this argument, you're going to have all these, all these words come into your brain and it's very possible that new issues are going to come in the middle of this fight. You guys, ask yourself, should this be said right now? Because if it's a new issue, it might not need to be brought up at this point. You just need to ask yourself, is this worth pursuing right now or later? So guard your words by asking, should this be said? And should this be said right now? Now, I want to give you some bad news. Um, unfortunately, even if you follow these rules, it's very possible you're still going to get in an argument. You're still going to get in a fight. And I, I want to tell you, I want to kind of go into like a little sub point here. And I want to give you just a couple quick guidelines. Like I think of boxing, you know, like boxing has all these rules on safe boxing. Here's a couple things as you're guarding your words. Here's a couple super practical things as you guard your words. First one is don't call each other names. I'm going to change that. Never call each other names. Now, you might, you might have some cute names that you use in other situations, you know, like honey, boo-boo, snooky bums, whatever it is. No, we don't use snooky bums. Those names are fine. What I'm talking about is don't introduce negative names when you're in a fight. It's just never a good idea. It's like the analogy goes, you can't put that toothpaste back in the tube. Never call each other names. The second one is don't raise your voice. Don't raise your voice. And I know this is hard, but nothing good comes of this. Do whatever you have to do to not raise your voice. So, I mean, step back, count to 10, breathe in, sing a song, say a prayer, say 14 prayers. I don't care what it is, but do whatever you have to do to not raise your voice because the goal of these conflicts is to love each other well through the conflict, and it's really hard to love each other well when you're yelling at one another. So take a second, take, do whatever you have to do to not raise your voice. Don't yell at each other. And then the third point with guarding your words is don't get historical. What did you say? Did you mean hysterical? No, I didn't say hysterical. I said don't get historical. What does that mean? Getting historical is when you say something like, yeah, well, you did that same thing five years ago. That's getting historical. And I'm, I'm sure that most of us are familiar with 1 Corinthians 13, but for those of us that aren't, we're going to put it on the screen because, I mean, this is recited a lot of weddings, but part of that verse says, at the end of it, it's, it's talking about what love is. And at the end of it, it says, love keeps no record of wrongs. I love this because it's, it's often misconstrued a lot in relationships, and that's why I want to talk about it. Keeping no record of wrongs is what forgiveness actually is. And I've, I've heard people use the expression, forgive and forget. Anybody ever heard that? Yeah. And I've heard people say, well, I've forgiven them, but I sure ain't going to forget. And I get that. I honestly do. Because pain hurts. Pain is hurtful. And it's very likely that you're not going to forget that pain anytime soon. But I would propose this, that nobody's asking you to. 
Nobody's asking you to forget it. Likely, I mean, it's not even possible because we know how trauma works, and it's possible that you're not going to forget it. However, here's the difference. When somebody asks you forgiveness for something, and you say yes, and you say the words, yes, I forgive you, this is important. What forgiveness is, is you are choosing not to hold it against them anymore. It can no longer be used in arguments. It can no longer be used in conversation. It is stricken from the record. You have forgiven that debt. That is what forgiveness is. So let me just say it really clearly. If you have said that you've forgiven somebody and you still have that thing loaded up and you're ready to fire that whenever it's convenient for you, you have not forgiven that person. There is no forgiveness there if that's the situation. Forgiveness is what Jesus literally did for us. We are forgiven that debt. It is no longer held against us. So when you're in the middle of this disagreement and you're guarding your words, if you have forgiven them, you can't bring it up. That's what forgiveness is. Don't get historical on that. So, number one, stop to listen. Number two, guard your words with all the little sub-rules under that. And number three is handle your anger righteously. Handle your anger righteously. You guys, this is so important. So we're going to spend a couple minutes on this. Here's the truth. You're going to fight and you're going to get angry. There's the truth. And we want to handle that anger being led by the Spirit of God because, like I said, you can love each other well through this conflict. And so James 1.19.20, again, says we should be slow to get anger, angry. Why? Because human anger, human anger, does not produce the righteousness God desires. So everybody should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And so again, getting really practical, there's just some things in your marriage you just got to learn to let go, okay? There's just some things that you just got to learn to let go. Yes, there are some things that are worth talking it over and having discussion, but there are just some things that aren't, honestly. And if you want to have a great marriage, you got to learn the difference of those. Um, knowing when to say, yes, we need to talk about this, and knowing when to say, you know what, this isn't worth it. Like the, the joke we talked about a few months ago, the toilet paper roll, I don't care. Just, I'm thankful that it's on the roll, honestly, <laughs> and it's always on the roll. I so appreciate that. I don't care if it's green, white, whatever. I just don't care. It's just not worth it. Now, having said that, there are some things that are worth being angry over. I'm going to say that again. There are some things that are worth being angry over. And some of you right now are going, what? This is great because I, I want to get into this. Ephesians 4.26, I love this. I want to read the first two words in that verse. Paul says this, be angry. Let me make sure I got my notes right. Be angry is the first two words in that verse. Doesn't that feel weird to anybody? Has anybody else grown up, because I was big family, I always grew up like, if, if I'm angry, I'm doing something wrong. Anybody else ever grow up that way? I think that if, if you grew up that way and you think, okay, well, if I'm angry, I'm doing something wrong, if you multiply that over years, I talked about this in week two, what's going to happen is you're going to become avoidant of conflict. And I don't, the goal here is not to love conflict, okay? The goal is to know how to deal with conflict. And so if you start thinking like, 
I'm angry, I did something wrong, I'm going to avoid conflict, multiply that over 20 years, you're going to bottle it up, and given the right situation, you're going to blow up, and it's not going to be good. But here's the truth. If you've never heard this before, I want you to listen to this. Here's the truth. The Bible never said to not be angry. Remember a guy, this guy named Jesus? Anybody ever remember that guy? Jesus got angry. Jesus got angry, and I love the story. He goes into the temple, and there's basically like this garage sale happening. All these people are setting up tables, and they got their, you know, baked goods, and they got all their things. This is God's house. This is his temple. So Jesus, I want to see this when I get to heaven. I want to see the video clip. So he decides it's time for some arts and crafts time. He goes over, and he starts getting material, and he, I just kind of picture him doing this number. What's he doing? He's making a whip. Jesus, the Son of God, is making a whip. So he makes the whip in record time, and he starts whipping. Like, has anybody ever heard the crack of a whip? Those are loud. He starts whipping in the temple. And the Bible records that Jesus got angry. So I just want to set that stage for you. It is okay. You're not doing, you're not doing anything wrong by getting angry. Here's the key that you have to realize. Be angry, yet do not sin. There's the qualifier. There's the qualifier. In your anger, when you're mad, don't let it overtake you so that you do something that you're going to regret later. Being angry is not a sin. It's what you do with your anger that matters, okay? The verse goes on to say something that we've talked about in this series, and and Corey and Julie brought it up last week. Love this. And this is something else we want to clear up. Be angry, yet do not sin. Do not let the sun set on your anger. There it is. How many of us have heard that? Okay. This one is so important because I know most of us have heard that. And what I want to do is I want to look at some reasoning behind that verse, and I want to bring in some practical application from our marriage team because this is so helpful, you guys. The rest of the verse explains why Paul's saying this. He says, be angry, yet do not sin. Do not let the sun set upon your anger. Why? Do not give the devil a foothold. Okay, so here's the truth. Regardless of when you're in a fight, doesn't matter if it's before bed or not, regardless of when, anytime there's an unresolved issue between you and the other person, what you're doing is there's opportunity for division in that moment. Because modern science tells us what often happens is with disagreements, the reason that two people disagree is because they're both operating on incomplete pictures of a situation. Now, you want to hear something really interesting? Um, psychologist Dr. Brene Brown, she's got this great book called Daring to Lead. Fantastic book. I highly recommend it. And she talks about, from a psychological standpoint, what happens when two people don't have all the information. What does our brain do? Our brain doesn't stop there. Our brain fills in the information. Has anybody ever seen those, like, those cop shows and they have like a picture and then like, oh, push the enhance button and then the picture comes up crystal clearly? That doesn't happen. What actually happens nowadays is if you blow up a picture, what happens? It gets blurry. See where I'm going? When you're filling in that information, it's blurry. And Dr. Brene Brown says, how we fill in the information is through blame. You're in an argument with somebody. You don't know why he did that, so you attach blame to the situation. So this is something that Leslie and I have done for years now. It's one of kind of our core values of our marriage, and we use it in work, life, everything. In the absence of information, we believe the best. 
when we don't have all the information, we will believe the best. We will not assign blame because we don't have all the info. We will believe the best. So, with this verse, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't give the devil a foothold. I want to show you some really practical um, advice, counsel from our marriage team. Our marriage team counsels people that sometimes, you guys, sometimes it isn't feasible to resolve the issue before bed, okay? And like even now, that's kind of like, okay, because I mean, I'm sure a lot of you have been in that situation where you know this verse and you're mad at the person and it's like three in the morning and this probably isn't the best time to be working on this argument, right? There's so much freedom in their counsel. They, what they say is, it might not be completely possible to resolve the issue before bed. However, the anger piece of this verse is what's important because the Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. It does not say, don't let the sun go down on unresolved issues. So here's your pro tip. Here's what that looks like. Make a plan to resolve the conflict, and that strips out the anger, okay? So that might sound something like this, and I got this right from our marriage team. This is fantastic. It might sound something like this. I don't think that I'm in a state to resolve this right now. I'm tired, and I'm cranky, and I can't think straight. Can we come back to this and talk it through to resolution when we get home from work tomorrow? In the meantime, listen, please forgive me for letting my anger get the better of me. I love you. When I got that in an email this week, I literally had a tear in my eye because I thought this is so freeing for couples and relationships because you guys, I have walked around with that. I mean, I I didn't even realize it until our marriage team told me that. But you guys, there's so much... It's so hard. Like, don't let the sun go down on your anger. You got to figure this out. You guys, that is so hard to do when you're in the middle of a fight and it's not the great, greatest time with, with what Dr. Granny told us about our brains. It's not the greatest time to work out this fight. But I love this plan saying, you know what? I was a fool. Forgive me for being angry. This issue isn't resolved. Can we do that tomorrow? Because there's the key. If you don't do that, if you're going to try to find like a little wormhole, In this, or a loophole, not a wormhole, that's a space-time continuum thing. (laughs) If you're going to find a a loophole in that, you're not doing anybody any favors. If you don't deal with it, if you don't make a plan, if you don't ask forgiveness, you're being a fool. That's what the Bible says. I just love the idea that you make a plan, that you show intentionality with your spouse of saying, let's deal with the anger so we don't go to bed angry, and then let's deal with the issue maybe after that. Does that make sense? Okay, so as we, as we wrap this up today, um, I just want to acknowledge something for a moment, and I just want to say that I know that in all of the marriages represented in the room, and I know there's people listening online, we've, we've got a full spectrum of situations represented, okay? We've, we've got some of you that might be fighting because, I mean, maybe you don't like the way he chews, or, you know, you don't like the way she leaves trash in your car, something like that. And then we've got stuff on all the other side of the spectrum. Maybe there's, maybe she cheated on him, you know, or maybe there's abuse and violence. And I just want to say that I understand the complexity and the range that we've got. And so I, I don't want to go by without acknowledging that. And I want to say this, please hear this, that if you are in a relationship today that has abuse and that has violence, I want you to get professional help. 
And I don't want you to delay on that. I'm going to say that again. If you're in a relationship that has abuse and violence, I want you to reach out and get professional help today. I want you to do that. So for issues where there isn't violence and abuse, but it's still not sunshine and rainbows, I want to tell you that I honestly believe if you seek God and if you fight fair like the Bible tells us to, I honestly believe that the presence of God can bring healing in your relationship. I honestly believe that. Here's the question. In that moment, can you and your spouse come together and resolve this? Can you seek God together? Can you use these rules on how to fight to resolve this? Not to fight to be right, but fight to resolve this. I, I believe, you guys, with everything within me, that when you seek Him, when you fight fair, there is a way through this, okay? And I want you to know that I'm, I'm sure there's people listening to this right now saying, there is no way this marriage could ever work. And Jesus promised us something pretty startling. He says in Matthew 19, 26, he says, all things are possible with our God. How many things? All things are possible with our God. I, I had a picture when I was writing this message that maybe it's time that if you're in that situation and you're saying, you know what, Tyler, there's just no way that it's going to work. I just had this picture that maybe you guys need to stop sitting across from one another on the table and maybe do it like you did right before you got married and you actually come to the same side of the booth or the same side of the table to symbolize unity. And you just say to each other, you know what? We're not going to fight each other anymore. We're turning our attention and we're going to fight our spiritual enemy who wants to bring division in, in our lives. We're going to fight our enemy who's trying to destroy us, trying to destroy our marriage, and we're going to fight with everything within us. And you guys, you know what? Maybe like Corey and Julie talked about last week, Maybe it is that moment where you need to activate a lifeline and call a friend. They had a great talk last week about community and how strong communities help stronger marriages. Maybe it is that moment where you need to pick up the phone and do this. Because maybe that, you know, maybe you do go to the other side of the table and you say, you know what? We can't resolve this on our own. We know that now. And night after night, we get angry and we fight with no resolution. Maybe it's time that you, you table that tonight, you ask forgiveness, whatever you have to do, you table that for the, the, the evening, and in the morning, one of the first phone calls or texts or whatever you do, one of the first communications you make is to your solidly believing, Jesus-following friend, and you say, I need help. We need help because we want our marriage to be strong and we don't have the tools to do it. Can you help? The key there is you're both agreeing to fight fair. You're not agreeing to fight for victory and that one person would be right. You're agreeing to fight for your marriage, for your kids, and for your resolution. You guys, I, I believe this. I honestly do. That if you seek God and if you fight fair, you can have the marriage you dreamed about. You can have the marriage you dreamed about. More than that, you can have the marriage that God designed for you. When God said it's not good for man to be alone, I'm going to make a helper suitable for him, you can have that marriage that God designed for you. All those vows you said so long ago, it's still possible. It's still possible. But it's a learned thing, isn't it? We don't do it automatically. I'm going to pray for you. God, thank you so much, Father, for what a blessing 
relationships and marriage is, Father, truly. And God, I just I pray, Father, that we, we take all the wisdom that's been just imparted to us these last four weeks, Father, and you would just help us to make our relationships God-honoring. You would help us to lead the ones we're with, Father, and you would help us to fight fair, God. And I just pray, Lord, for the relationships that are in our, in our group, Father, that are struggling, Lord. I just pray, God, for supernatural communication, supernatural healing, supernatural forgiveness, Father God. And I pray really specifically, God, for those situations that they don't have the courage or they don't have the, the, the willpower to, to do that. Courage, Father, to make a phone call. Courage, God, to send a text message. Courage to say, could you help us? God, thank you for this group, Father. I, I pray a, a blessing on our day, Father, and I, I just pray, God, that we would be a blessing to you. In Jesus' name, amen.